Hello everyone and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today is something that looks exactly like my lovely wife, Nakia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic. Hello. On today's episode, Nakia and I continue our 2021 Halloween movie marathon with Philip Kaufman's Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. Nikia, we're running a little late this week, so we're going to jump right into the movie today. What do you know about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Other than what is told to me in the title, not much. <laughs> so you know... Some bodies are invaded by some snatchers. <laughs> That's it. You That's have no other... No other okay. knowledge of this film. All right, let's try a different tag. What does it mean to you if I use the phrase pod people? <laughs> um, I mean, yes, it's... I mean... I think it is now a relatively common trope in horror and sci-fi, but this idea that people have been invaded by some foreign or alien entity, and though they may look like themselves, they are not quite themselves, uh, and they are now a part of some sort of hive mind okay. sort of thing. Okay. So this that story has filtered through, sure. regardless of the fact that you have not seen any of the 19 different versions of this movie. Yes. I, out of curiosity... How would you know if I were a pod person? What could I do that would tell you that I wasn't really me? How would I behave? Uh, well, you'd probably just be nice, right? <laughs> so... See, that was my answer for you. So I, I think this says a lot about our relationship. <laughs> about our relationship. If we start being nice to each other, that's going to be... that's going to terribly, terribly really wrong. Paranoid. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Okay, a, li a, a little background here. Jack Finney's novel, The Body Snatchers, was originally serialized in Collier's Magazine in 1954. The story of a small California town that is invaded by seed pods from outer space, which grow into physically perfect but emotionally vacant duplications of human beings. The story was published by, as a standalone novel in 1955, and the first film version, Don Siegel's relatively faithful Invasion of the Body Snatchers, followed quickly in 1956. And the movie didn't make much of a splash initially. It was just another sci-fi B-movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is one of those films that has just worked its way into the cultural consciousness. And I think part of that is the all-purpose utility of its metaphor, mm -hmm. which appears to have been accidental. The novelist Jack Finney insisted that no specific political allegory was ever intended. Okay. Walter Mirisch, the head of the studio that produced the first movie, wrote in his book, I Thought We Were Making Movies, Not History, that neither he, nor the producer, nor the director, nor the screenwriter <laughs> ever saw it as anything other than a thriller, pure and simple. And yet, despite this, it, and we've talked before about horror just tends to reflect the anxieties mm -hmm. of its time. Mm -hmm. And something I think about this metaphor just, it turns into subtext whether you mean it to or not. That first movie, this was, so again, 1956, half the people that watched it saw it as a metaphor for communism, yeah, for yeah. the threat of communism. There are reds under the bed, mm -hmm. you know, the communists are infiltrating us, they're going to destroy what's great about American society and try to turn us into this mindless collective, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then I think half the people who saw it thought it was a satire of anti-communist mm -hmm. McCarthyism, witch hunt. I think some people saw it as, on a related note, sort of a warning about that sort of 50s Eisenhower era conformity, mm -hmm. just the suburban American thing. 
So I think just the fact that one movie that never meant to be could be both of those things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to very different audiences speaks to sort of the potency of this metaphor. And that maybe explains why this story gets adapted like clockwork about every 15 years. Uh, What we're going to be watching is the second and what I think is the best adaptation from 1978. Abel Ferreira released a third version, Body Snatchers, in 1993. And then a fourth version, which is the only one I haven't seen because apparently it was terrible, called The Invasion, came out in 2007 with Nicole Kidman. And then additionally, as we mentioned last week, you can see the body snatching seeds sprouting in any number of other movies including John Carpenter's The Thing and your personal favorite, Robert Rodriguez's The Faculty, (laughs) which you and I just rewatched. We did. And I I actually have to admit I enjoyed that. See? And I think, again, high school, that metaphor just automatically works. works. It works, yeah. So you have the outcast and the, you know, group think and Mm -hmm. all of that, the dangers of conformity. Like, it's just a natural place for that. So I'm better at films than you. You have unique... I'm better at films than films. <laughs> All the films that I talk about instead of the ones you want to watch are actually the better films. Are actually the more interesting yes. movies to talk about. Exactly. All right, let's just switch seats permanently <laughs> and you just pick the movies every week. You, you want to do that? Oh, no, God, no. <laughs> As scholar Kathleen Luke writes, the narrative of alien-induced dehumanization has lent itself to reinterpretations and reimaginations like few others, always shifting with the zeitgeist and replacing former cultural anxieties with more contemporary and urgent ones. And I think, I I was thinking about, and I don't know that there's one in the works, but we're about due for yet another remake of this story. Uh, Yeah, I think 15 years next year we would get we would get yet another version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay. This one, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on. It it takes place sort of halfway between the 60s and the 80s, and that's it's a I think a great transitional movie Mm -hmm. in that sense. Mm -hmm. Philip Kaufman moved the story from a small town in California to San Francisco, the site of many many culture wars in America. Yep. I think this is a really good movie. It was never one of my favorites, probably because I saw it too young. I think I saw it 10, 12 years old. I was probably expecting from a movie called Invasion of the Body Snatchers something more exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, and this is what I like about it now, it's a sci-fi horror movie for grown-ups. It's not, you know, childish B-movie. It's actually, it sort of works with those other kind of sophisticated conspiracy movies of the 70s. It's sort of as much part of that tradition as it is part of the horror or sci-fi tradition. Okay. Pauline Kael loved this movie. She said, for undiluted pleasure and excitement, it is, I think, the American movie of the year, a new classic classic it may be the best movie of its kind ever made wow that may be overstating it but i do like this movie uh what are, what are you expecting from this um i don't know that i actually have any expectations going into this okay i mean it has a high bar with the faculty so <laughs> to, <laughs> to beat the faculty to beat the faculty as the best in my heart alien invasion yeah movie it, that, ever. That, that's that's a really high bar mm-hmm. uh, so i don't anticipate that it's going to you know surpass that but <laughs> Sure. Well, we shall see. We're going to go watch it now, and when we get back, we will talk about Invasion of the Body Snatchers. They come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt 
can they survive? The function of all life is survival. Sleep. 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 From deep space. Sleep. The seed is planted. Sleep. Sleep. Terror grows. Elizabeth, wake up! Get you when you sleep! Sit up! Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's got no detail, no character. It's unformed. All of a sudden, they're growing like parasites. Is it contagious? People are being duplicated. How do you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. I can't find anything in here that looks like a body. My side's nosebleed. It looked right at me. You're looking at it as if it was human. It was not human. Now, the classic fear begins to grow. We're being cornered. In a modern masterpiece of science fiction. They're barricading the street. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Get down! Starring Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. From deep space, the seed is planted. Terror grows. And we're back. During the break, Nikia and I watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Nikia, how did this one work for you? <laughs> it was fine. Oh, <laughs> fine. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. The definition of damning with the phrase. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was well done. It's a really well made it's movie. It's really, really well done. But yeah, I just was sort of like, okay. Yeah, I have to admit, and I had deliberately not rewatched this before we just watched it. And I, I said when we began, this was never one of my favorites, and I thought maybe I saw it too young. Mm-hmm. It's still sort of not one of my favorites. And I don't even know why that is, because I do think it's a brilliantly made movie. Yes. I think it's very effective at what it does. I think it's doing interesting things. Yes. There's something about it that just doesn't click with me. And I don't know what it is. I feel the same. In preparation for this conversation, I was trying to like articulate what, why am I so sort of lukewarm on it? And I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if it's the actors. Not that they were bad, but that I just didn't. I'm not a huge Donald Sutherland fan. And that is part of my problem is that I don't. I'm never going to find him the most engaging or sympathetic Mm -hmm. protagonist. Mm -hmm. I think if Jeff Goldblum had been the star of this movie, I might have been (laughs) been a a little more on board with that. Sure, sure. I don't think I have any feelings about Donald Sutherland. This movie didn't make me a Donald Sutherland fan or anything. Yeah, there was was just some... I couldn't... Maybe... I think it was good in its, like, tension building. And at the same time, I felt like it was too slow. And it could have maybe been a little tighter. It felt long. It started to feel feel long long. to me. There's a thing that happens... And I think it happens particularly with 70s movies. Where there's a lot of just chase scenes. Mm, mm -hmm. And sometimes they're car chases. Here it's foot chase. There's There's a a lot lot of scenes in the second 
Like, I think the first half of this movie I'm completely on board with. Mm -hmm. We get into that second half, it feels like it drags out. It feels like, oh, the pod people are chasing them through the streets and they're hiding from the pod people. And it's it's just not as exciting as it needs to be to sustain the tension through that. Well, and then there's that scene with uh, Sutherland answering like 50 phones. (laughs) Yes, there's a little montage of him trying to get some help. And I get what they're trying to do with that. I'm just like this, they're trying to create, build this tension of like this manic sort of noise and all of these ways that the bureaucracy has sort of already been like compromised mm-hmm. and he's trying to get through so I get why they're doing it but it was just like okay we could have cut, <laughs> <laughs> cut that so yeah yeah I think th- I think for me also one of the movie's strengths is also its weakness okay which is that I think right from the very first frame there is this sort of almost nihilistic sense that everything has already gone wrong. Mm, mm-hmm. And I think that that is what I admire about the movie. I think it's very effective. I think how that's built up is very effective. I think the overall tone of it mm-hmm. uh, is very well done. I think from a story perspective, at no point did I expect this to have a happy ending. No. At no point did I think, oh, maybe they'll succeed in... Like, I think even without knowing how it ends... Right. I think you watch it and you like you're just waiting. It's they're just doomed. Right. Like everybody's just doomed. Yeah. And you sort of know that right from the opening. It's Jack Nicholson at the Overlook. He was already <laughs> crazy. Crazy from the go. Before he got to that fucking hotel. <laughs> yeah. So you know what I mean. You don't have that that tension of oh maybe they'll stop this plot somehow. Mm-hmm. That's never even a possibility. No, really. no, no, no. Well, once you get towards the end and you see all of the pods, right? Like there's and they're bloating the pods on chips. At that point, yeah, we're we're done. Yeah, you're <laughs> just it's, it's a wrap. As a people, yeah. we're just done. <laughs> we're just gonna be pod people now. This is who we are. So, and I think that's part of why I say this is a movie I admire more than I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I admire that. I think it's very well done. Am I caught up in the story in a way that mm. it excites me? That I am worried about the characters, whether they're going to live or die, that kind of thing. Maybe not not so much. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe that's what it is, is that it, it was a foregone conclusion. And so there isn't, you don't get wrapped up in something when you know, like, where this is going to end. Right, right. Yeah, okay, maybe that's what it is. All right, well, let's let's talk about sort of the, the, the first half of this movie. Okay. So I, I do like the opening credits a lot. They're very cool. So it's sort of this interplanetary outer space opening where we see these little like jellyfish looking things just sort of floating in space which reminded me of the crappy exhibit that we went to (laughs) they've been advertising this jellyfish exhibit for months chicago it was was it the field museum i think it was i think it might have been the field museum i think it was either that one or science huge jellyfish exhibit the billboards everywhere we're so excited to go see the jellyfish the photos of the jellyfish on the billboards and then on the television. So beautiful. They were huge jellyfish and just so colorful. And they had that, like, what do you call it when the shit lights up under the water? Bioluminescent. <laughs> right. Like the, like, bioluminescent effect. And we get there 
<laughs> and it's like the shitty seahorses you got in the mail when you were a kid. It was. It's like, what the fuck is this? It's like, there were no jellyfish bigger than like a quarter. It was just a tank of like tiny little jellyfish And it was probably absolutely our fault. We went in with unrealistic expectations of the jellyfish. I, I, like, I, would, I wanted to see like a jellyfish as big as a house. That's what the and billboards had led me to expect. And colorful and light. And then we was just like, wah, wah. <laughs> So pissed off. Um, anyway. It's like that Simpsons episode where Bart has the, the inflatable <laughs> the dinosaur. dinosaur you put the water on it. And it just floats down. Sad. <laughs> it grows like 10% and then floats away. All that to say. Anyway. Look at the fine print on everything. <laughs> Jellyfish not to scale. Yeah. So, but yes, very cool opening where we, you know, you get the idea that this is something from outer space that is has been unleashed on our planet. And th- this is another one of those movies that we, you know, we have to remind ourselves, all practical effects, no CGI. Yes. This was... Very well done. I think I saw Philip Kaufman say that he just found some, like, gel at, like, an art store or something, mm-hmm. and they just did that effect by just squirting it into water mm-hmm. so it sunk, mm-hmm. and then reversing the film so it looked like it was rising out of the water and, you know, flying up in it. It was very, cool. very, very nicely done. Then, unfortunately, all this shit makes its way to Earth. Yeah, because apparently that's where all the aliens go. I, <laughs> there have to be better planets. <laughs> it depresses me that we're always the... We're not great. You think they could find a they better... They could find better. ...people to invade Just than humans? trash. <laughs> um, yeah, so we see sort of raindrops falling on leaves all across San Francisco. And then these raindrops start to sort of sprout weird tentacles and then become these like really red odd pod flowers and i think this too is i think this is where sort of the free-floating subtext of this movie starts to creep in a little bit too like i i don't think this is primarily what the movie is about but watching those scenes i was thinking about i think the environmental movement Mm. had been picking up in recent years before this movie came out acid rain Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. a big topic and all of that and just those scenes of that goop just falling off the plants and mixing into the water and all of that again i think it's i don't think it's a direct topic of the movie but i do think it's just sort of free-floating anxiety that works its way into horror movies this way sure yeah yeah and then brooke adams picks one of these damn flowers and takes it home yeah uh this is elizabeth played by brooke adams yes uh, she is in like a little park and there are kids who are also out there picking flowers and randomly a priest <laughs> swinging really creepily on a swing. Very you creepy priest. Never think that a, a priest swinging on a swing was creepy and yet <laughs> that's, that's a creepy. That's, it's pretty much the opening shot of the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's, it's a very creepy shot. I think he might be the first human we see. <laughs> Uh, and that is Robert Duvall mm. in an uncredited His only cameo. role in the film. Yes. <laughs> Very impactful. Apparently he was just hanging around the set or something and they decided to, to put him You look like in. a creepy priest. <laughs> Come get on the swing with these kids. I told you that when he showed up just because I didn't want you to keep expecting... Mm. When is Robert Duvall going to show back up? He never comes movie? back. He's not, he's not that was coming it. back. That was a wrap on Robert. <laughs> and I think the director has implied that that's like the first pod person we see. That, mm. that he's... Yeah, he is creepy because he's not right. There's something wrong with him. <laughs> but see, then I question, do pod people swing? Uh, I mean, that is a good question. It does Because their whole thing is like no emotion, no... Right. So he would he would have to be swinging with a purpose. He's like pretending to be human. By swinging? 
by swinging because that's something humans do. Human but really, priests. he's monitoring the park mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. He could have yeah. just been standing. That would have been less weird if he had just <laughs> been standing. Really? Yeah. The the creepy priest standing on the playground watching the children would be less weird. I mean, yeah. That's less creepy. Priests stand and watch children. That's yeah, a thing that they, they do, do, and that's okay, a problem. Let's not go down that road. <laughs> But going back to The Simpsons, this is like, you know, Kane and Kronos trying to be humans, and they're doing weird shit, and you're just like, humans don't do that. What are you doing? You're making it weird. So, yes, uh, Elizabeth takes the plant home and just puts it in, like, a jar of water and sets it on her bed, her nightstand table. Sure, like you do. You don't do. <laughs> so, this woman is a scientist. She works at the Department of Public Ish, Health. yeah. I mean, well, she right. works in a She's space where, of, like... Mm-hmm. When you come across weird shit, you don't bring it home. You leave it at the lab. No, you bring it home. You put it in a jar. You put it beside your husband's no. bed in no. the nightstand. You wait for the crime lab, and you just got to do all the shit. <laughs> uh, but no, you put it on your nightstand right next to your bed, mm. just open to the air. And they have... After reading that it was dangerous. They're like, oh, yeah, this... This is some rare This is plant, something right. that could be potentially dangerous. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, sure. <laughs> Start questioning the decisions that early. I mean, mm. again, if she didn't work in the science-ish space, <laughs> I would, I would, I would give her a pass. All right. So, and this is, I think, this is a a theme throughout the movie is that people are already sort of disconnected and uh, isolated mm-hmm. and emotionally screwed up. <laughs> like their relationship does not seem great before he becomes a pod person. <laughs> I mean, so he has headphones on pretty much right. the entire time and doesn't take them off to greet her when she comes home right. and really doesn't acknowledge her existence. And he, he's sort of half groping her, but also half watching, watching the, the game. basketball yeah. game while he does it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And meanwhile, we meet Donald Sutherland's Matt. Yes. It's a health inspector, which looks like a fun job, um, who's at a French restaurant picking rodent feces <laughs> out of various turds, he dishes. He can, I mean, it's impressive how he could spot the rat turd and whatever the hell dish that was that they were trying to say was a caper. See, I think that this part of my not liking that, I feel like he was kind of a dick in those scenes. Well, he's a health inspector. Yeah, but he seemed to like really get off on finding. He was very the excited rat about turd. the rat turd, and he, he was, was like, "I want to close these guys down. Well, I want to nail them to the wall." He has integrity. Yeah. He doesn't want people eating rat turds. <laughs> They're probably charging a lot for fucking rat turd infested food. See, okay, now we're we're just going to keep comparing things to cartoons. The health inspector on Bob's Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Oh God, uh, Hugo. Hugo. <laughs> Right? Just kind of a prick. Just, but see, Just those like people getting off are on... born to be health inspectors. <laughs> to me, that makes me happy. That makes my heart glad because you found what you were put on this earth to do. <laughs> you have fulfilled this is your who destiny. You were fucking meant to be was a health inspector. Good for fucking you, dude. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful. You find that rat turd. Yes. I was less convinced about the like the kitchen staff than going out and busting his window with a wine bottle. Yeah. And then just hanging out at the crime scene. <laughs> just like, yeah, we did that. Well, what's he gonna do? Get them arrested. He can't prove that they busted his window. They're standing right there. The wine <laughs> bottle came out of the restaurant. They basically said, yeah, bitch, we did it. Mm-hmm. They definitely don't get paid enough to do that. So uh, he and Elizabeth have a very close relationship. Well, he's clearly in love with her. Yes. <laughs> She's got her douchey boyfriend with headphones. Mm-hmm. but This is her friend, quote unquote, <laughs> yes, who's very excited about a rat turd. If these are her choices, she's a very attractive woman. <laughs> she is a very attractive woman. 
got she could do better. Headphone than guy of these and guys. rat turd guy. It's just yeah. come on. <laughs> San Francisco is a very big place. Well, she gets a whole new boyfriend the morning after. So yes, she wakes up and lo and behold, the jar with the weird thing in it has fallen on the floor weirdly, and so he's sort of sweeping up the glass wordlessly as she's sitting there sort of trying to talk to him he's not responding to her at all and is very robotic and weird and then just hurries to take something out to the garbage truck right which we don't figure out until much later in the movie was his body yes basically sweeping up the remains there like and that's it's one of those little details that's throughout the whole first half of this movie that we don't even notice it really but like the garbage trucks there are always garbage trucks and they the garbage trucks have these like weird husk things Mm -hmm. in the back of them that it looks like just random garbage until we notice that that's kind of weird. Yeah. What are all those husks? Those are pods. What, what is things. that those there? Are, yeah. Husks of former human beings. <laughs> I do think that's one of that's one of my favorite things about this movie is just all that little stuff. The way it we get the sense that this thing has already been going mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. before these characters become aware of it. There's a lot going on in the background. Yeah. Of this film. Yes. There there are scenes of like just I think there's a scene early of just three or four people chasing somebody down the street. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's one of those that like happens in cities all the time and you just walk by and you ignore it. Like, it's not my business. There's stuff like that going on in the background. And yeah, I think a lot of it is supposed to be, this is pod activity. Yeah. yeah. Some of it could just be random city stuff. Yeah. And I think, again, that's part of the point of the movie is this, the way we're sort of already isolated from each other and already sort of shut down to what's going on around us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's, he's being super weird. Very weird. Now, I do find it interesting that she leaps directly to... That is not That my is boyfriend. not my boyfriend. Yeah. That's a huge leap yeah. to make. And Leonard Nimoy, the psychiatrist character, a little later, sort of says that to her. Like, aren't there more logical explanations, you know? Mm-hmm. You could even go to, like, oh, he's joined a cult. <laughs> Or he's involved in something shady. No, she goes directly to, that is not my boyfriend. That yes. is not Jeffrey. Yes. I don't know how she gets there. I don't either. Um, just a gut, just a woman's intuition thing. I mean, I don't know that I would jump there. Like, if I started acting super weird like that, if I started, you know, being nice to you and, you know. I would just jump to asshole and just be like, okay, <laughs> right. asshole. Or, you, this or you'd be like, Donald Sutherland says to her, kind of runs through the list right. of things that could be going on, says he could be having an affair, he could be gay, he could have become a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she's like, that's that's not That's not him. Yeah. Yeah. It's impressive. And yet, this is the same person that brought a weird-ass alien plant into their home, <laughs> totally unprotected yeah, and unsealed. I feel like now you're victim-blaming. Well, sort of. <laughs> Just like people that bring Ouija boards out, like you brought that shit on yourself. <laughs> Whereas in the superior, oh my god, here we go. Go ahead. The faculty. Yeah. Uh huh. When the Hobbit finds <laughs> the like weird specimen, he puts it in a sealed jar and he takes it to you know the science teacher and says, "Hey, this is weird. We need to like call the CDC." Who immediately from- sticks his finger in the tank I mean, and lets it bite him. So let's not we're not they extolling were, like the they, virtues there was of science a there here. was a through line of thought that made sense of like, "Okay, let's take this to the science teacher and then he can like call the lab and be at like this high college lab and be like, "Okay, we just found <laughs> we're not, this new fucking We're not specimen. spending this episode talking about the faculty. He's, I know that's what you want to do." I'm just saying it was better decision making happening. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I also don't think Elijah Wood would appreciate being called the Hobbit. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name in that moment. (laughs) 
All right. All right, where are we here? So, oh, we learned pretty quickly that she is not alone in having this feeling. No. Uh, they go to a book signing well, or first, something. first, Donald Sutherland goes to his dry cleaners. Oh, right, yes, yes. And the, the, the woman, the owner, proprietor, is a little sort of off and short, but again, it's just like something that you would just, you know. <laughs> right, she didn't, right. It's fine. Um, but then her husband calls him to the side and says, that's not my wife. And Donald Sutherland's like, oh, you mean she's crazy or she's having, and he's like, no, no, that's not my that wife. That is not my wife. Again, just <laughs> leaping immediately to that. And then we, the camera pans back to her and she's creepily like walking behind one of those dry cleaner bags. <laughs> And it's a move that would have been, like, totally normal in any other instance. But when she's doing it, it's like, oh, that's fucking weird. Like, it's just like, what? There's a lot of, like, little creepy yes. stuff like that. Yeah. Where on a normal day, you wouldn't give it a second thought. Right. But then once a seed is sort of planted in your head, it's like, oh, that's that's weird. <laughs> Which, that probably happens all There's tons of stuff that we probably see where we're just like, hmm, if I thought about that hard enough, I'd be... <laughs> Maybe we, we, we need to start paying more attention we to that We definitely stuff. need to start paying more attention to things. I walk around with my headphones, like, blasting in my ear. So yeah, you somebody you're was totally like, oblivious to everything saying, going yeah, on I'd be like, you. what, what? And just keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you're in the house, like, ten minutes, <laughs> and I'm talking to you the entire time, and then I realize you've had your headphones I just, in, and I still you my headphones missed in. everything. Just, no, yeah. So I would die immediately. <laughs> Well, that's that's what you always say about these movies. I know who I Either am. I wouldn't have been there in the first right, place. Or I will die immediately. Or I would die immediately. There's really no in-between for me. <laughs> there is no scenario in which you're the hero. Except I may live in it because I don't sleep. So this one I may survive. Oh, that's true. You are I sort of an insomniac. Yeah. yeah. You can stay up for weeks at yeah. a time. <laughs> okay, where are we here? <laughs> Shit gets worse. Shit gets worse. More people get weird. Oh, she follows Jeffrey to work at right. one point. Yes, and she sees him meeting with random people that have no business being in his life and exchanging random packages <laughs> and then walking all over the city. See, again, I feel like I would go to join a cult. Drugs. Dr some kind of drug conspiracy, mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. else other mm -hmm. than somebody has replaced my wife. And see, this is where I go back to at the point where I'm, like, checking your emails... <laughs> Your phone. You're just getting out either way. I'm. We're done. So just I'm gonna. <laughs> you move don't really. Out. Doesn't really matter. I don't care what the fuck what happened the to you. <laughs> just like <laughs> having an affair, become a Republican. What I will not be doing is chasing your possessed ass. Possessed by demons across San Francisco. Right. You have no, that's your, that becomes your business, <laughs> and I just need to leave. I, I actually think that's a sound policy. I think it is. <laughs> okay. Well, fortunately, we have Leonard Nimoy coming to the rescue here. Yeah, Leonard is one of them. <laughs> Pretty clearly, when I first meet Leonard, I'm like, oh, don't trust that fucker. <laughs> I think there's a question in this movie of when he becomes a pot. He may have always been a pot person. I think person. he was always a pot person. Right, because there's, there's no line at which he begun, begins acting differently. No, he's always. And yet, Matthew has known him for a long time. And doesn't register anything different. And doesn't different. think he's acting yeah. weird. Yeah. So I think that that is a question of just how long... Leonard has been. He was born a pod person. <laughs> and I do think it's kind of brilliant casting. Mm. I mean, he's, Leonard Nimoy was a very good actor. And yes. that's, he was obviously typecast as Spock. <laughs> but I also think this movie sort of uses that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, his association with Spock. The scientific authority. You right. trust him. Because Spock logical. is kind of, right. Spock is logical. Spock is, you know, brilliant. 
And yet, Spock also has that cold right. and emotional thing. I, I think it's very clever. Spock is gaslighting you. <laughs> you know what's wrong? People just don't stay in relationships. You guys don't try to, like, you're, fuck, right. you're well, fucked up relationships. <laughs> and that is actually, I think, what, what this movie is largely about, is this sort of self-help, mm-hmm. new-agey mm-hmm. thing. Uh, he is obviously basically a, you know snake oil salesman yeah. of the psychology world. Jeff Goldblum says that, says yeah. he's he's a fraud, yeah. you know, and resents it because Jeff Goldblum was a poet. But, you know, Nimoy cranks out one of these books every six months, he says, and they're bullshit and people fall for it and he makes millions. Right. Uh, but yeah, he's got, he's got all the answers. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Everything's fine. Go home and be with your boyfriend. I do think that the general received narrative about what this movie is about is is in there somewhere. It's, you know, this is 10 years after you know, the Summer of Love mm-hmm. and the height of the hippie movement and Haight-Ashbury and all of that that was going on in San Francisco at the time. And I think sort of part of what the movie's about is how that kind of transformed into this, you know, they call it the, sec- the 70s, the me generation, right, the right. me decade. This kind of self-obsessed, new agey, I'm Constant gonna, analysis. You know, and, yeah. realize my mm-hmm. potential kind of thing. And just everything got worse. And then Reagan. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, they didn't know that when they made this movie. But to me, this movie is a brilliant transitional film between the 60s and that Reaganism of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Like how the hippie generation became the yuppie Reaganites. This is as good an explanation as any. <laughs> they all is that they all became people. pod people and <laughs> lost their souls and lost their ability to feel anything. It's it's kind of brilliant in that perspective. Killed all the poets. Exactly. <laughs> all the poets. Forget love. It's all about, you know, fulfillment, self-fulfillment, mm, blah, blah, and money. blah. Money. Right. Well, that's what they mean by that. I also think, and again, it's not something they ever intended. I bet this movie plays differently now for people in San Francisco with what San Francisco has become. Mm, mm-hmm. Right? I mean, nobody interesting or with a soul can afford to live in San yeah, Francisco no, anymore. Not, yeah, yeah. It's all tech millionaires now. It's all, it's all the pod people. They've all taken over. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's basically a movie about a city's soul dying. All right, well, well, let's talk about uh, Jeff Goldblum and, and his wife, Nancy, played by uh, Veronica Cartwright. So she runs Veronica like a- Cartwright, between this movie and Alien, which came out the next year, she, she has dealt with some serious alien She's parasites. She's traumatized. Just and so not come out well in any she of it. She was also in Witches of Eastwick, <laughs> yes. where she played this very sort of prissy, stuck-up, hyper-conservative, fundamentalist sort of preacher's wife or wife of the mayor uh-huh. i can't remember he was something like that and she throws up a lot of cherries in that movie <laughs> she's been through some shit i think she started her career as the little girl in the birds who gets attacked by a lot of birds so she's she's had a rough it's career just, wow <laughs> but anyway yes so yeah she runs like this turkish spa or uh sort of what do they, what do they call mud it bath mud bath spa, sort of thing. right um and so there which i gotta say that does not that does not appeal, appeal to me to at all yeah sitting in mud I don't. I don't want to go be immersed in mud. <laughs> I definitely don't want to go be immersed in the same mud that that big fat hairy guy See? just got I out of. Make it about his weight. I mean, it's not like they changed the mud. <laughs> no, that's between used mud. customers. That is used mud. Right. <laughs> I don't know. If they use like you may just get a different bath. Like you go to a different mud pot, but. <laughs> 
I don't know. I'm how not getting in that guy's I don't know mind. how it works. And yet you swim in pools. See, this is, you see how that's like. It's really not the same. It is exactly I the same. I don't think that's really the same. People basically piss and shit in pools. Okay. <laughs> and you're just in there like, ooh, good time. No, it's not a good time. Water parks you have a thing about. Because they're fucking breeding grounds of like used band-aids and feces and pee. And I just, it's, I don't, it's not a good time. You're just sliding into syphilis. Like, I don't, it's just, I don't understand what is happening. I feel like we're going off on a lot of tangents, which is and, what which is and, what we do when neither of us loves the movie that much. We end up talking about a lot of random shit. I was vindicated this summer when the C motherfucking DC <laughs> put out that graphic on Twitter that had the little girl coming down the water slide with a shit stain behind her. And they were saying, hey, by the way, don't go swimming if you have diarrhea. When the CDC... I'd forgotten that. Has that to was have the greatest gift ever created by a government they agency. They hired someone to create... To animate. It was animated. She's sliding down the slide. There's this brown streak of shit behind her as she's coming down the slide. I have never been more proud to be a taxpayer. The CDC is like, you know what? They obviously don't know. <laughs> this has become something we now need to deal with. In the middle of a pandemic, I need to remind... Mind you, not to keep take your, your child shitty to the ass water park. kids out of the water park because it's fucking gross. <laughs> we never end up talking about what I expect <laughs> us to talk about. So I am right about pools. The CDC said so. Anyway, sure. <laughs> Look it up. It's a great graphic. It's wonderful. It's very effective. So yeah, we're at the fucking Turkish spot and they're in the mud. And um, one guy's tub is bubbling weirdly. And I don't know enough about the, the mud bass. Like, should they be bubbling? I don't think they should be bubbling. Uh, I wouldn't think. I would have to assume that any bubbling gases came from... His ass. <laughs> Uh, but it doesn't seem to be the case. I, I was going to be more delicate. I don't really know how much more delicate I could have been with that. I think that's, yeah. We just got through talking about shit stains in a we CDC did. graphic. Yes, we did. So, I mean, we're mm-hmm. past the point yeah. of propriety. And, and anybody who was going to leave has turned this episode They've off long already. Gone. Long gone. <laughs> Gives us certain freedom. I mean, the fuck? We're not getting paid for this. There's like five people listening. So he, yeah, so he's whatever, farting in his, in his mud bath and or being attacked by some alien thing. We come to find out it's more likely the latter, maybe. Mm, sure, possibly. I don't think we ever really find out what happens to that dude. And then uh, Jeff Goldblum comes in and just sort of goes to some weird part of the spa and sort of hangs out. Mm-hmm. She starts massaging a gentleman who is complaining about the sort of classical music she has playing. And she goes on this whole thing about how it's good for the plants. Yes. The plants love it. It helps plants them thrive. Have feeling, yes. she says. Which, you know, we all know is a problem. We don't want the plants <laughs> to thrive and grow. Uh, and then they find a body. Sort of. Sort of a body. It's a something. It is a body-shaped... Husky, husk, husk, husk thing. covered sort of fetal sort of ill-defined thing half-formed humanoid figure yes that's weird a little bit a <laughs> little bit so that so they so he calls his good buddy matt to come yeah Dumb look at this mm-hmm. which again i i mean he's a health inspector i don't know yeah, what he's not, i don't know people keep treating him like he's a physician and he's right like, or like a scientist yeah. of some kind he he just he finds rat turds that's what he's not very excited about really research. equipped to deal with this Problem. Not at all. 
so yeah, they inspect the body, and he's like, "Hey, Jeff Goldblum, how tall are you? How much do you weigh?" This thing looks like it's turning. Which again, it's another one of those leaps that I feel yeah. like people make. I did not see Jeff Goldblum at all. Looking no, at that I thing. do like as that progresses, it starts looking more like Jeff Goldblum. Yes. There's a great shot of Jeff Goldblum lying down. You can see the body behind him lying there. And you can see that it's starting to get, like, his hairline yep. and stuff. Yep. Uh, I think that's very nice. But so Matt leaves and he's like, oh, I should probably go check on Elizabeth because I just left her at home. <laughs> with her creepy boyfriend. With her creepy boyfriend. And he goes and finds Elizabeth, what looks to be Elizabeth, in, like, a weird garden like of Eden setting. Here, there. Right. As, as another sort of husky. Yes. So another mm-hmm. another body is Not forming fully there formed that looks like Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yes. While and then Elizabeth is sleeping. on the bed. Yes. Yeah. So he takes Elizabeth out of the home um, and brings her back to his to to the spa. Does he bring her to the spa? He bring, yeah, because then uh, All right, everybody's at the spa. Everybody's at the spa at this point. Nimoy is at the spa. In too. the interim, Jeff Goldblum number two has opened his eyes. Yeah. And his nose has started to bleed, and then he's gone. Okay, this is maybe my, this is maybe the place where I should talk about one of my problems with this entire franchise, really. They're not actually body snatchers. Nobody's body is being snatched. It's metaphorically snatched. Metaphorically snatched. This is metaphorical. It's a metaphorical snatch. Snatching. Snatch means... The bodies are being reproduced. Many different things. In the RuPaul world. Snatch, snatch game. Snatch game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the Instagram world, that would be, have your body snatched okay. means, you know, First of all, your waist is snatched, you're all tightened. RuPaul, they should absolutely do a, a RuPaul... Body snatchers? Snatch game version. Of the body snatchers? Of body snatchers. I can't believe they haven't done that, that already. meta. <laughs> but yeah, the aliens aren't actually taking over anybody's body. They're reproducing the bodies there, you know. I mean, well, they're snatching the lives of these people sort of thing. Like it's, right, but it's, you know. it says body snatchers. Okay. It's right there in the title. Again, you were getting on me for being pissed at her for bringing a weird plant home mm-hmm. and saying I'm focusing on the wrong thing. I feel like... I'm just saying it should be Invasion of the Body Replacers. How does that sound to you? <laughs> Is that catchy? Does that look good on invasion the cover? Invasion of the Body Growers. Weird. <laughs> He's a grower, not a shower. Not weird. Don't. <laughs> Anyway. That's why you're not in marketing. <laughs> yes, they call they call the cops. It, several times in this movie, they call the cops, and the cops, you know, it just calling the cops is never a good idea. It no. never helps anything. Never call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> but there's another garbage truck. <laughs> yeah, because the garbage, the gar- apparently, when you invade a world, the first thing you do is you take over the sanitation You take industry. over the fucking infrastructure. The garbage Which trucks. makes so much sense. The yeah. garbage makes the world go around, man. Yeah. Take it over. Because they were... Ground zero for this invasion was the garbage man. Once you got the working it. class, you got it. City's <laughs> on lock. Take it. So everybody goes back to uh, Donald Sutherland's home and tries to stay awake. Yeah, because they figured out now that this happens when you're asleep. Uh, Leonard Nimoy pumps Elizabeth full of drugs and is like, this will help you sleep because he's a leader of a pot person. <laughs> We're not supposed to know that yet. <laughs> but we know that immediately upon meeting him. <laughs> So she's going to bed, and then Donald Sutherland goes outside to sort of just stand watch and falls asleep, of course. Yeah. And then there's a pot, like, literally right next to him that starts to, you know, they get all dried out and, like, ashy. Um, <laughs> and then there's a pot Donald Sutherland out in the lawn. Grosses, perm, and everything. Just 
And then there are, the rest of them become pod people because they'd all fallen asleep at that point. So he wakes up, realizes what happens. They go in to sort of wake everybody up in the home because they're like, don't, when you go to sleep, this is when they form. So you got everybody got to, has to get up. They start to run out of the place. And he comes back to destroy the pod people. When he goes to destroy the pod Elizabeth, he can't do it because it looks like Elizabeth, the woman that he loves. Right. He is able, however, to destroy his own pod. Yes, with relish. So is that self-hatred? Possibly. Could be pride of ownership. Pride of ownership. Like, how dare you imitate my perm and mustache? What I'm saying is it's sloppy. (laughs) You destroy all the pods. You destroy all the pods. We got time for this. I was trying to count. I think there must be like three different versions of Elizabeth's body. Elizabeth got copied a bunch of times. She got copied a bunch of times. Yes. And none of them, except the last one, spoiler alert, ever came to... (laughs) To term, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, so that's this is when we get the like extended chase sequences of them running through San Francisco with various groups of pod people and pod police chasing after them. I did want to make somewhere in there, Nancy, it, it, she's the one that, that realizes what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. She says, you know, space flower. <laughs> she's the first one to suggest that these are space flowers. And she says, why do we always expect metal ships? This is a different kind of alien invasion. But she's the one that realizes what's going on there. Mm -hmm. In part because she reads all this new agey stuff about how aliens founded the human race and all of that stuff. Right. Uh, So I meant to ask you, is this all a metaphor for colonization? (laughs) Do we need a metaphor for that? We've done that very well. Is this colonialism? I mean, we don't need aliens for that. (laughs) We've done that so well. Um, that's a, uh, I mean, I guess so. And yeah, and it's like a large part of colonization is indoctrinization into, mm-hmm. you know, a single form of thought and, and assuring you as Leonard Nimoy does later in the movie, will be better. everything's going to be better. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. All of your problems will go away. We'll stop your wars and your hatred. And... Born again in an untroubled world. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's never true. Yeah. And it's never Something that sounds good to the colonized. No. No. (laughs) Yeah, and I do think this is the point at which the movie becomes less interesting to Mm -hmm. me. Because it is just a lot of running around, a lot of near misses, almost getting caught. Realizing that basically everyone left in the city is a pod person except them at this point. Um, The... the we, we didn't mention the banjo player and his dog. Because we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> oh, I, I, think, I think we have to. It's like such a cartoonish moment <laughs> in this film. It seems so out of place. So throughout the film, there's a troubadour uh, that sits on a park bench with his dog <laughs> playing like a banjo. Uh, fun fact, the banjo playing was done by Jerry Garcia. Okay, you're not impressed with that fun fact? I don't have a dead thing. I don't Good for them for, you know, riding that for as long as they have. But I don't get the dead. Yeah, so we see him and then when uh, Elizabeth and yeah Matthew are sort of in their eighth lap of running or wherever the fuck they are, they run past him and his dog sleeping in the park. Right, he with, and the dog are both asleep. With the pod right beside next to Beside a pod. So and he apparently smashes the pod. something goes wrong with that process. Yeah, he smashes the pod. <laughs> And so, and apparently that like crosses the wires. So the next time we see him, it this is, is the most ambitious shot in the movie. The dog's body <laughs> with the man's head on the dog's body, and when he barks, you hear the banjo. <laughs> so all three of those things somehow got fused into one pod being 
Like the fucking shit got crossed. And it couldn't. Like at the end of the fly. When right. It, comes it couldn't out of a figure butterfly. out what was the human, what was fly. Like yeah. it was all just one thing. <laughs> and of course, Elizabeth freaks the fuck out. And, but it's such a, like, totally atonal to everything else that was happening in the movie to me. It, it, it is an odd moment. moment in this movie. I would have been tempted to cut that scene out of this movie. Because <laughs> it, do, it does sort of seem like it belongs in a campier a different film. version of this story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the movie either needed more of that, mm-hmm. which would have been fun, mm-hmm. or not that. Don't do that. <laughs> and that special effect was achieved simply by putting a mask on a dog. On a dog. <laughs> and they said they left the, the mouth slit and the dog stuck its tongue, licked its tongue through the thing. And that's the shot we get in the movies. The dog's tongue comes out of there. So we don't really need all this like Marvel bullshit. No, we don't. We never needed the computers. No. Just do the shit. Just put the mask. Put the mask on the dog. On the dog. Put the mask on the drunk college student at the end of sleepaway <laughs> camp. Do not bring up sleepaway camp. <laughs> Ever. Ever. That movie is bad for the planet. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so run, 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 chase, chase, chase. They get cornered at the Department of Health. Yes. By Nimoy and... Jeffrey, her boyfriend. And Jeff, and Jeff Goldblum, who at this point has been... Has also has turned. Has been potted. Yes. And Nimoy, like, pumps him full of, like, sleepy drug or whatever. Right. First, they've done speed. They yes. found They found Five some speed. Five pills of speed, apparently. <laughs> Pretty sure it would kill you. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. And so he pumps them full of some sort of sedative, but they are able to sort of, you know, fight it off because they're on a lot of speed, which, again, like, I think their fucking hearts would explode at this point. <laughs> well, okay. So this is a side note. I think probably if you're looking for metaphors for what this movie is about, drugs are certainly another, mm-hmm. right? The whole thing is, oh, you can dull what you're feeling and all of that. So I think, again, I don't know that it's directly there in mm-hmm. this movie, but certainly I think the drug epidemic could be something someone could read into this movie. Sure. Right? Everybody's dulling their senses with drugs. That's kind of what the pod people, it's, it's even plant-based. You want to just smoke a pot. But weed is from the earth. <laughs> Weed is good. So are these. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes, they, they do battle with the the guys in the office there. Mm-hmm. They escape. She, like, breaks her ankle or something because, of course. So, yeah, they run. And then they, they come across this factory slash farm, whatever it is, where they're growing the pods or making the pods or loading the pods. I think some combination of all those things. Right. Yeah. And yeah, there. This is near the docks, and there's some ships. And Matt has the idea that we can get on a ship and just sail away from all of this. So he goes to check out the ships. They're loading up pods. <laughs> They're loading up pods. There's no escape. So the ships have already been taken over. And then he goes back to find Elizabeth. She's not there. Well, she's there, but she's, she is. She's there, cocooning as we speak. <laughs> she fell asleep. Yeah, she didn't take enough speed. She did not, and so he holds her and hugs her and starts to tell her some fantasy about, oh, we're gonna get on the ships and we're gonna be free and it's gonna be beautiful. <laughs> tell me about the rabbits, George. Exactly, <laughs> and then her face fucking caves in. <laughs> she just dissolves in his arms, which has to be traumatizing. Uh, <laughs> you think <laughs> that's a fucked. <laughs> thing to experience and then immediately her new her her pod pops her up naked pod person hey dude what's up come join the party everything's great it's there's nice nothing on to be afraid of they were right this is better 
and he runs away. And he runs away. And he goes back to the grow shop and basically... <laughs> the grow house. Right. <laughs> sets everything sort of on fire. Which he does pretty easily. Yeah. He, like, just cuts a couple wires and then it just sort of He just, like, basically lamps. knocks the lamps yeah. down and the lamps catch everything on fire. There's no planting of explosives or anything. No. It's just like, okay... Yeah. Conveniently, this whole place is pretty flammable. But this is, again, this is the moment where I think maybe we're supposed to think this is a victory. Like, oh, we're burning down the production facilities. Mm-hmm. Like, we, mm-hmm. we can stop the pods. We're gonna They're burn already on the ship. Yeah, right. And that's the thing, is that there is no moment like that in this movie no. where you're like, okay, they can... There's a way we've to already triumph lost. over... Yeah, no, we've already lost. ...this. Yeah. But he, do, he does burn the place down and get away? Sure. <laughs> That's what we think. As far as we know. He's back in his office. Uh-huh. Clipping newspaper articles as he was before. Right. And we, what did you think at this point? Did you think he was still pretending to be a pod person? I think he was still, I thought he was still pretending okay, to be a pod that's person. A, I think that's what you were supposed to think, was that he's going through the motions. Because they have said earlier, the pod people can be fooled. Right. They just act. Right. Like you don't have emotions. Exactly. They won't notice you. It's like the, you know, Walking Dead thing where it's just like you just got to walk slow and like <laughs> cover yourself in entrails and they won't even know. <laughs> uh, but it turns out. <laughs> so, yes, he's he's out on the street and Nancy, mm-hmm. who is still free, sees him and runs. She's the last human, runs up to him. And what happens? He's not him anymore. <laughs> He lets out the shriek that all of them let out when they see a human person. This is one of the more iconic final shots yeah. in in horror movies. Just the way his mouth. Yeah, it's like, very it's... animalistic and almost like a raptor. So it's very strange. <laughs> it's a very strange noise. Um, like those dinosaurs in Jurassic Park with like the things. <laughs> yeah, the ones that spit ass out the you. side yeah. of their neck. It's like <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, and then she stands there and freaks out in the way that that actress can only freak out. She's very good at that. Yes, she is. Um. <laughs> that was a, a specialty of hers. And that's the end. And that is the end of the movie. We assume that Happy she gets ending? taken over. No, we're all dead. <laughs> we're all pod people at this point. Are we better off? As pod people? Well, I mean, no. Part they of... say no hate, no worries, no anxieties. People are still going to work. <laughs> That's true. My ideal is ain't nobody working. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the beauty of being a human is having your individuality and, you know, what makes you special and... You want to have love and, you know, you want to experience sadness and that's part of being human. Mm-hmm. Theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> Fucking sucks when you're in it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to say about Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Glad you watched it. I, I mean, it was it was a hole. It was a hole in your, so yes. Mm-hmm. It's a classic film that I needed to see. Um, this is now my second Donald Sutherland horror film. Yes, though Don't Look Now is still. I it think. is the better I will. Yeah. For all of my problems with that movie. Um, <laughs> it, it's my preferred Donald Sutherland vehicle. Now I'm going to have to think whether he, like, came out okay out of any of these movies in the... Mm. It's, he, he didn't end up well in that one either, so maybe that's just the kind of script he likes. It's like, I want I want the last shot of me to be upsetting. <laughs> so, was the movie creepy for you? Was it, Were there scary bits? I wouldn't say it was scary. I think it was was very good at making the benign seem menacing. Mm. 
So, you know, the woman in the dry cleaner. There was a scene of a janitor with a, a floor buffer. Yes. Just standing there buffing. Like, not just, he was buffing just the floor. Buffing the floor, moving the thing back but and forth. But he wasn't fucking moving. Like, it was just, <laughs> what's, go- what's happening? So... Is that sort of like where it's just you're second guessing yourself about everything mm-hmm. of like this could be totally normal or it could be a potential threat. Mm-hmm. It did that very well. So so what's it all mean? I don't know. <laughs> Means whatever you want it to mean, I guess. That's an easy answer. Well, I mean, that's sort of what you said at the beginning, right? Is anybody could overlay whatever their own sort of societal fear is onto whoever you think is the other. In any given culture, in any given moment, mm-hmm. that's what the threat is, is in this movie. So I read an interview with Philip Kaufman, the director, uh, on the 40th anniversary of this movie, so just a couple of years ago. Uh, he did an interview with David Weiner at The Hollywood Reporter. And Kaufman's said of this movie, it's as valid now as it was then, maybe more so. Uh, Donald Sutherland's pod scream at the end of the film could be a very Trumpian scream. The way Trump points to the press in the back of the auditorium and everybody turns, you get that scary potty feeling. There's a kind of contagion going on there. And I do think that's true. And I think that, you know, raises the question of we are due for another remake of this movie. Mm-hmm. I think that culture, quote unquote, is ripe for metaphori- metaphorizing. Meta- Does that work? I don't think it is. No. <laughs> it should be. Not gonna not gonna work here. Not, anymore. Gonna, <laughs> not gonna be able to finish that sentence. <laughs> I think that is ripe for parody, satire. Right. It's not even satire exactly, but examination sure. through this story. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also seen right wing people in that culture. <laughs> quote unquote, on the internet talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers, saying it's a perfect representation of woke culture. And, you know, again, it, it, it sort of speaks to how this metaphor can be used to for pretty much everybody who doesn't like the way things are going. Pretty much. That the culture is just being taken over. We are losing our way of life. We are losing our individualism. You you could see the anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Yeah. Arguing that that's what this movie is really about, right? It's it really is sort of an all-purpose metaphor. It is. Well, and so Elizabeth's character says something um, towards the beginning when she's sort of just getting freaked out about her boyfriend. She she says like yesterday everything felt normal. Today everything sort of Looks the same, but it feels different. Right, the whole city. The whole it city feels like just the whole city changed, changed overnight. overnight. Um, and I think that is how it feels when we are at these sort of big sort of cultural flashpoints. So, in the same way that, for example, the Obama election, for some folks, it probably did feel like, oh my god, this country <laughs> has changed overnight. Right, right. For me, the Trump election was, but not even, not really, because it's like those. It was always there. It was always there. Um, (laughs) Which, again, I think is a feeling that this movie captures pretty well. It's just now, you know, it's a a little bit of a different... But I do remember sort of the first time that I saw someone with a Make America Great Again hat on the bus. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there was this moment of just like, oh... You're really wearing that. This is a different thing now where you feel like that's okay. Mm -hmm. And now it it feels threatening to me. And now I'm trying to figure out, like, what what is my reaction in this moment? Now you're feeling like the person who's still right. human, and, and everybody like, oh, else around you is changing. Here. But again, all like that's always been there. And similarly, I think with the with COVID nineteen, it's like you woke up and 
it was the same, but it was very different. Like it was a, the world changed. It changed. And you were looking at people differently. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, why don't you have a mask on? And mistrustfully. And very mistrustful. So I think there are a lot of things that have happened, not even in the past, you know, 20 years or so, where it would be very fruitful ground. I think it leans into the worst of us as a society, which is we tend to flatten each other. Hmm. So there is no woke left. Like, who the fuck is that? What the right. Like, and there is no, you know, this this like monolithic far right. Like there are so many identities within that on both sides. And so, how is a media and a government and a economy that benefits off of us being in this us versus them positioning? It makes it easy to like write those narratives. It's too easy to do that. Well, that's interesting because then then that means that the, that part of the danger is. Us seeing the other side as pod people mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Whoever we don't agree with, we see them as pod They're people. They're a pod person, yeah. So maybe in this movie, maybe we, you know, maybe the pod people were really okay and we should have taken well, a closer no, look at I mean, them. No. And yeah. no. Get the fucking Maybe they vaccine. had more individuality. Get vaccinated. Maybe that priest really did just want it to swing and maybe Priest we... don't swing! <laughs> <laughs> for one thing, his like vestments or whatever were like swinging in the dirt. It's, just, it's also just not good for your outfit, dude. But then, I mean, yes. I mean, some people are just fucking pod people. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it boils down to, really. <laughs> I give people the benefit of doubt to a certain extent of like, yeah, there's some complicated shit going on there. But then there but are some people. There's also like, some of you are just pod some people. Some of you are just pod people, <laughs> and you let yourself be taken over. <laughs> That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week as the Unenthusiastic Critics 2021 Halloween Movie Marathon concludes. Woohoo! <laughs> you don't need to be quite so happy that this is coming to an end. <laughs> so I always like to include in these little marathons at least one of what Jack Black in High Fidelity calls a sly declaration of new classic status slipped into a list of safe old ones. Mm. So next week, we are watching a recent horror film that I think is worthy of classic status. Robert Eggers' The Witch from 2015. Okay. And I think we're also going to have a general discussion about witches. I love witches. In movies, which is one of the few Halloween-related topics that we have not already had. Really? In these marathons. Okay. <laughs> Bring it. I, I have committed to watch a couple of witch-related movies. <laughs> that you've recommended that that I have not already seen, so we will talk about those as well. (laughs) They are all classics (laughs) that you need in your life. Uh, Teen Witch. (laughs) Teen Witch. And The Witches, which is just... A childhood classic uh, with the always brilliant Angelica Houston. I think those two movies are tonally pretty different from The Witch, but I'll be they I'll are, be interested to see. This where will be that, a, an interesting. I bet there's some crossover as well. Oh, absolutely! So it'll be interesting. I to mean, see. they're witches. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, where you can find additional episodes, leave us a comment, subscribe to our stuff, or make a donation to support the show. In any of these places, we encourage you to suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. Okay, so you don't want to watch the other three? I do not. No? Nope. I, this only so the faculty is. I mean, that's Both all I need. And contrast. That's all I need. <laughs> all I needed was the faculty.
I feel like there were nuances in this one that maybe the faculty didn't tease out. No, the faculty had all of it. And it's even better because you're in a high school where everybody's already weird and feeling hyper-surveilled and paranoid. Mm. So, like, is it just about being in high school or is it because they've all become pod people? That's a thin line. It's I a mean, thin distinction. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's so... Oh, I meant to mention to you, uh, did you notice the one thing the faculty did take? You notice how everybody was drinking water in this movie? Yes. That was in the faculty. The aliens were all... They had to stay hydrated. Dehydrated all yes. the time and downing the water. These movies are really just about ashy, dry white people. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all need to moisturize your shit. Lotion up. I think that's a take that has not been sufficiently <laughs> explored. I think you need to write that one up. <laughs> You don't season your food. You, you don't, don't moisturize. Food, you don't wash your legs. <laughs> you don't bathe, apparently. And you don't put on lotion. This is why you die. <laughs> okay, I think we're done. <laughs>